Your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. How is your day going so far? Got the coffee all lined up? I wonder how many have given up coffee for Lent? I stopped doing that years ago. It's not fair for the people around me. But it's black, and I've become my father, and I'm not sure how I feel about that either anyway. But I, I pray your Lent is going really well, and your plan for your uh, your penitential practice is still on target? Or have you... Uh, you know, already started to slip. I'd like to know that, too. If you're hanging out with us anywhere on uh, social media, make sure to comment. Let us know where you're from and how things are going. Today on the program, in this hour in particular, Richie Orozco, the CEO of Catholic Connect, is going to be our guest. Uh, Catholic Connect is a social media site, a Catholic social media site. And recently, uh, Emily reported on this yesterday, as a matter of fact, Instagram has suspended his account for what they claim are copyright infringements. I called Richie yesterday, and we discussed that, and I invited him on the show to, to talk about that. But we'll talk about more than just the Instagram story. We'll talk about uh, why he felt the need to start a Catholic social media site at all, and uh, why maybe you should check it out. We'll have that conversation later in this hour. Uh, plus, we'll have breaking news and stories. We'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the day. We'll have a What's Concerning Us section. Of course, our Catholic Trivia Game Show is always a big hit in the next hour if you're able to join us. And Gifts by Beth is our prize pack this week. Three more chances to get in on that will will be uh, today's uh, opportunity so you can call in if you're a part of the show next hour. Plus the after show. So much in Catholic Drive Time today. We hope you'll stick around for all or most of it or however much you can anyway. And of course, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning, Joe. Did you hear that Texas is opening up? And announced on Texas Independence Day. Right. Uh, and Coincidence? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? But you know, Texas isn't the only one, of course. Mississippi. Uh, yeah. Right. I think, there's, I think Louisiana is also discussing relaxing uh, their uh, mask mandates and opening up businesses again. I did see that Governor Gavin Newsom in California uh, you know, wasn't very happy about Texas's Announcement. Maybe it's because most of its his citizens have moved to Texas, <laughs> and he's concerned for them. But uh, who knows? Who knows? We'll have Maybe. to. Maybe we'll have to dive into that story. Uh, speaking of diving into crazy stories, Adrian Fonseca is here as producer. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I always have the craziest stories, and uh, they're they're going to come up in the uh, what's concerning us section. Praise be to God. Uh, speaking of uh, awesome people, uh, Patty and Chris, I see hanging out with us on the Facebook side already. Glenn has uh, shared the uh, the video this morning. Good morning to you, Glenn. Thanks for being a part of our show today. If you are on Facebook, Twitter, or, or YouTube, or wherever you're at watching the show, uh, please do give us a, a share. That does help us. If you're hanging out with us on a radio station of the Cross or Guadalupe Radio Network, good morning. God love you. God bless you. Thank you for being on with us today. Let's begin with prayer. Uh, we're going to jump into this conversation today with so many things to talk about, but let's start with your intentions, dear listener, whatever is on your heart today 
uh, whatever your needs are, uh, we're going to ask Our Lady to intercede on your behalf as well as ours. We're including our own intentions here at the team and our radio apostolates, the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. The governors of Texas and Mississippi both announced on Tuesday they would be lifting their state's mask mandates and rolling back many of their COVID-19 health mandates. In a statement yesterday afternoon, Governor Greg Abbott said, quote, COVID still exists, but it is clear from the recoveries, from the vaccinations, from the reduced hospitalizations, and from the safe practices that Texans are using, that state mandates are no longer needed. Abbott's new executive order would rescind most of his prior COVID-19 executive orders and allow all businesses to be open 100% effective March 10th. Shortly after Abbott's announcement, Governor Tate Reeves announced that he would also end Mississippi's statewide mask mandate, effective today, Wednesday. The co-founder of Wikipedia is launching a free speech alternative to the online encyclopedia. In an interview last week, Larry Sanger said that Wikipedia entries are formulated in a way that completely ignores any conservative, libertarian, or critical treatment of the subject. In an essay posted to his website, Sanger presented a number of examples of Wikipedia entries that demonstrated significant liberal bias in the writing and editing, often hiding or altering key facts. Sanger is now setting up the Knowledge Standards Foundation, which aims at defining tech standards for encyclopedias and would refuse any donations from Silicon Valley, corporations and governments in order to protect neutrality. The Encyclosphere Project would build a network, one that, like the Internet itself, all of humanity owns and no one exclusively controls. The Canadian Bishops' Conference announced Thursday that after a review of organizations that receive project funding, it would discontinue 24 partnerships over concerns about compatibility with church teaching. The investigation was carried out by a joint subcommittee mandated in 2017 of the Bishops' Conference and the Canadian Catholic Organization for Development and Peace. Several dioceses withheld funds from the CCODP beginning in 2018 over findings that the agency has partnered with organizations upholding policies contradictory to church teaching, particularly on matters of abortion, contraception, and gender theory. The CCODP has agreed to revise its process for selecting international partners, with new criteria being developed. The Canadian Bishops' Conference will have a stake in the review and approval of partners. A judge on Tuesday found three activists who distributed images depicting Poland's Black Madonna icon with a rainbow halo not guilty of offending religious feelings. Three women went on trial in Poland in January accused of offending religious feelings, a crime punishable by up to two years in prison. A Polish newspaper reported yesterday that the judge concluded that the activists did not intend to offend religious sensibilities or to insult the venerated image of the Virgin Mary. The judge reportedly added that their actions were aimed at protecting people who face discrimination. The prosecutor's office is reportedly likely to appeal against the verdict. 
I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Concepcion Cabrera de Armida, pray for us. She was born on the 8th of December, 1862 in San Luis Potosi. Uh, notice December the 8th. Remember what I said a couple, I think it was the week before last. December the 8th comes up quite a bit among the saints. So take a note of that. But uh, Conchita is how she was referred to. But Blessed Concepcion Cobrera de Armida was born during a time of a, a civil war of sorts. She was born during a revolution of religious persecutions during the Cristeros. She was a lay woman, married 22 years. She was a mother of nine children and a grandmother. But she was widowed at the age of 39. She founded the Obra de la Cruz, the work of the cross, which includes incredible works. The, uh, the Apostolate of the Cross, founded on uh, the 3rd of May, 1895, the Congregation of Sisters of the Cross of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, founded in 1897. The Alliance of Love with the Heart of Jesus, founded in 1909. The Apostolic League, founded in 1912. And the Congregation of Missionaries of the Holy Spirit, founded in 1914. Wow, that's a lot for a mother of nine and a grandmother. She also uh, wrote quite a bit, although her children claim they rarely ever saw her take time to write. In fact, she left behind 65,000 handwritten pages of her mystical meditations. She died on the 3rd of March, 1937 in Mexico City. Blessed Concepcion Cabrera de Armida, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 28. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right and the other at your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus said in reply, you do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, We can. He replied, My chalice you will indeed drink, but to sit at my right and at my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, this is a long gospel today, but it's very profound. This is the third time in Matthew's gospel that he predicts to his disciples his coming passion, his death. And in this one, what's unique is he, he, he communicates this collaboration between Jewish authorities and Roman authorities to see to it that he will be, in fact, uh, persecuted and and die for for the sins of all. So it's fascinating to me because look at the deter the sheer determination that is communicated 
uh, through this telling of the disciples exactly what's going to happen. And they still, they don't want to believe it. We all remember Matthew 16. After J- Peter uh, receives the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom, he immediately tries to uh, say, oh, God forbid that you should die, right? And then Jesus has to rebuke him. We remember that, Matthew 16. Well, here Jesus is saying it again. Re- just think about that. A ponder upon the determination of Jesus to go to that cross because it's conquering Calvary that is the secret to our salvation. It is his resurrection on the third day and his ascension into heaven to intercede on our behalf before the Father. That is the, that is the very core of our salvation. And Jesus is determined to die there. What does that say about you and me? Uh, those that would pretend or, or want or strive for being his disciples. Do we strive? Are we determined to also go to Calvary? Are we determined, as St. Paul would say in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, I fill up that which is lacking in the, in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, that is the church. Do you and I fill up that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? What could be lacking? But you and me refusing to carry our cross to Calvary and there be nailed to it alongside our Lord. That is the Lenten journey, and how few of us are prepared to die there uh, as, and be as determined as our Lord. I also want to point out really quickly here the privileged inner circle of Jesus, uh, James, John, and Peter. James and John's mom comes and wants them to get the, uh, you know, the, the pride of the positions in heaven, but uh, I think that's a funny, I, to me, I always thought that was just super funny, you know, James and John's mom. But look at the Peter, James, and John trio. This is a nod to Moses himself. Moses had Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. He also had his 70 disciples, Moses did, as well as his 12 priests. What does Jesus have? He sent out the 70, some translations say 72. He had his inner three, Peter, James, and John, and he had his 12 priests in the upper room. If you were the high priest that year in the temple, boy, wouldn't you be scared that this one greater than Moses has come who can bring back the dead, walk on top of water, has his three, has his 12, and has his 70. That is competition you just don't want, which, what, which will, might motivate you to want to see him die. Adrian? Uh, yes, so the one thing uh, just to cover before we go to break is uh, our Lord here, uh, according to Cornelius Halapide, gives an example for bishops and princes to follow the example of Christ and to make answer to their friends and their sons uh, that, that the dignities of the office that they hold is for the sake of something greater than themselves and not to be held as, as uh, something to strive after, but something to accept as a burden to bear. Amen. Praise be to God. More to come. Richie Orozco, uh, CEO of Catholic Connect, is our guest today. We have the What's Concerning Us section coming up next. Plus, uh, we'll have more to conversate about the gospel today in the next hour and in the after show. So a lot of Catholic drive time is headed your way right after this break. charge atheist level at Christians is that their faith is blind. That's to say, their belief is without evidence. How is a Christian to respond? Well, first, Christianity doesn't demand that someone believe without evidence. For example, John writes in John 20, 31, Jesus' signs are written that you may believe. John sees his testimony of Jesus' miracles as sufficient evidence to merit rational belief by those who couldn't see him perform the signs. Second, the charge takes evidence as that which is personally verified. But if that were the only evidence worthy of belief, well, then we would have to reject the practice of science. 
since we can't personally verify every scientific conclusion made prior to us. But that's absurd. So the charge that Christian faith is blind faith is unfounded, and thus not a reason to reject Christianity. I'm Corlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. In Nicaragua, many children growing up in rural areas don't know what it's like to have clean, safe drinking water. Their water sources are often shared with farm animals, and the water is infested with high levels of bacteria. Together, we can change that. Cross Catholic Outreach works with local Christian partners to provide clean, abundant water to families in need. This mission dramatically transforms the health and lives for generations to come. Visit crosscatholic.org transform to learn more. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Coming up in, I don't know, 17, 18 minutes from now, Richie Orozco, CEO of Catholic Connect, is going to be on our show as a guest. Uh, Catholic Connect, I'm curious, are, are you, do you have a, an account with Catholic Connect? I'd be really curious to know how many people hanging out with us this morning have heard of Catholic Connect or, you know, have that on their mobile phone or Signed up, have accounts, I'd like to know. But uh, we're going to talk to him about being canceled by Instagram, what that meant and why he, why he went through all of that. Uh, we're going to have that conversation with Richie here in just a little while. But this is the What's Concerning Us section. And in the What's Concerning Us section, there's several stories that we like to bring out and discuss um, as a team and sort of comment on. And one of the first ones I saw here, uh, U.S. Bishop Chairman for Doctrine and Pro-Life addressed the use of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. This is a USCCB article. Uh, you can find it on usccb.org. We'll post links to it as well. However, the, the reason why I want to bring this up is because I saw that there were several bishops, uh, especially in the South uh, yesterday, commenting on this as well, trying to raise some awareness here. It says, on March the 2nd, Bishop Kevin Rhodes of Fort Wayne South Bend, chairman of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, Committee on Doctrine, and Archbishop Joseph F. Nauman of Kansas City in Kansas, chairman of the USCCB's Committee on Pro-Life Activities, issued a statement on the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine recently approved for use in the United States. They say, quote, the approval of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine for use in the United States, again, raises questions about the moral permissibility of using vaccines developed, tested, and or produced with the help of abortion-derived cell lines. Pfizer and Moderna's vaccines raised concerns because an abortion-derived cell line was used for testing them, but not in their production. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine, however, was developed, tested, and is produced with abortion-derived cell lines, raising additional moral concerns. The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith has judged that when, ethnic, when ethically irreproachable COVID-19 vaccines are not available, it is more acceptable to receive COVID-19 vaccines than that have used cell lines from aborted fetuses in their research and production process. However, if one can choose among equally safe and effective COVID-19 vaccines, the vaccine with the least connection to abortion-derived cell lines should be chosen. Therefore, if one has the ability to choose a vaccine, Pfizer or Moderna's vaccine should be chosen over Johnson & Johnson's. Uh, we'll post links. You can, there's not much left in the article, but here's what, here's what the question in my mind. As Catholics, we are bothered by pharmaceutical research that, that involves the, the death of children. Um, we've said this a bunch of times on this show. Uh, think about the undercover videos 
the David Delyden videos and Sandra Merritt videos that he had to be prosecuted over and is facing fines over that that clearly demonstrates uh, this push to uh, use children as uh, pharmaceutical research, used uh, aborted cell lines used in, a, in the development of vaccines, tested or otherwise. Well, here's a question in my mind. You know, you can get a, uh, a therapy, uh, you can have antibodies injected into you from patients who had COVID and now we're producing antibodies. You can have, it's, there's a treatment, there's a therapy that you can go get uh, where they can put these antibodies into you. It seems to me like, why, why isn't that promoted more over these vaccines that are tainted at all? I mean, the antibody treatment is harmless. You, it won't kill you. Uh, there are many cases of, of harm coming about as, as a result of some of these vaccines. Uh, we've been reporting on those stories. So why not push the therapy that is morally good, uh, has, um, I guess, no downsides? If there is a downside, I'd like to know it. I will report it if I find one. Um, but there's like no word about this. Emily, d- does it strike you as funny at all that there's not a big like, hey, go ask your doctor about antibody therapy injection? Right. And actually, I saw an article from Fox that pointed out that the bishops are divided. So even the secular media is pointing out that um, the the church is divided on um, how to how to react to um, the covid vaccine and how the treatments for it. So in New Orleans, we saw yesterday I reported on that the archdiocese said um, you should not receive the J&J vaccine, the Johnson and Johnson one. But apparently there's like contention in New or-, or in Louisiana where various bishops are saying different things on this. So that is concerning to me that d- there doesn't seem to be um, a lot of understanding of how we should treat the COVID vaccines and other alternative treatments. Now, for my concerning headlines, I wanted to point out, do you remember when Gina Carano was on the uh, on everyone's radar last week about that tweet she made saying the reason that the, the Nazis were able to accomplish what they did accomplish was because neighbors turned on neighbors. Um, well, here's this article from LifeSite LifeSite News out of British Columbia. Five men wrestled down a, a man because he was not wearing a mask. These were not what? policemen, not policemen. So they weren't, they weren't social distancing from the <laughs> guy without the mask? No, they were not. Seems but they, they wrestled him down simply because he was not wearing a mask. And so here... We literally see what Gina Carano was warning us about coming, becoming a reality. Neighbors turning on neighbors. This was not the police um, tagging him because he was uh, doing something that was against the law. This was just your friendly neighborhood uh, maskers. <laughs> your friendly neighborhood maskers. Right. And, and so that's why we saw out of this incident, the way that Gina Carano was just completely shut down for trying to start a conversation about how we treat each other, it radicalizes people. That sort of rejection of... of um, alternative thoughts and we see the same thing happening with the wikipedia co-founder now who is calling out his own creation wikipedia and the the liberal bias that is because he said that um wikipedia is sort of the educational uh m- basis for a lot of people like when you search something a concept or a name wikipedia is always the first thing that comes up so many people get so much of their information from wikipedia mm. and if this um platform has a massive liberal bias then all these people who look things up and that's the first thing that comes up they're being um, indoctrinated and learning from this liberal bias and so that's why he's creating an alternative platform now which is another case of someone being radicalized by this sort of extremist one one view um 
totalitarianism. So uh, yeah, I'd say controlling the controlling the uh, the conversations, right? Con- yeah, and the flow of information. You know, like as if Gina could not have an opinion other than the one that's approved by the uh, by the official uh, mob or the the ones in power at the moment, right? I mean, that's insane. We should be able to have conversations around what we face every day, and uh, and logic usually bears out, and the and the right answers usually bubble to the top. But we don't have that anymore, and I'm not sure how much we had it in the past, but we definitely don't have it now, where we can have conversations. I mean, all the time, if we bring up conversations on this show, we'll we'll get negative feedback too, um, and it's uh, it's it's challenging because you want to be able to have conversations like on the vaccine thing you know talking about vaccines usually triggers people because they don't like anti-vaxxers and they think you you're uncharitable if you if you seem to be negative on vaccines and yet when you're trying to report the stories that say people are being harmed by these things and why if we have a better option why don't we talk about that it can become very challenging so uh, free speech religious liberties these types of things are very concerning and i you know to bring up the other story the equality act if that gets passed, mm-hmm. I think we're going to be in real, real, real danger if that actually becomes law. We'll have to have a, a guest come, maybe Eric Sammons or somebody come in. I tried to get Phil Lawler to, to come be on the program. Um, did you see? So yesterday, I think you were, I think it was yesterday, you reported on uh, the interview with, with uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Right. You know, there's uh, ever since he retired, there's been a section, a group of us Catholics who will say, well, he's not, you know, he's secretly still the Pope. Like, like that's been a thing that gets whispered in certain channels. And so Benedict addressed that. You know, he's like, there's only one Pope. Um, now, of course, he still wears the cassock, has the ring, gives apostolic blessings, lives at the Vatican. I mean, that's not confusing at all, Benedict. But other than that, you're right. There still is only one Pope. We agree. Praise be to God. So he puts, he puts an end to those rumors. Well, hopefully, anyway. But that's not really what's concerning in that in that conversation. I mean, I think we all kind of like, yeah, of course, Pope Francis is the Pope. It was something he said about Biden that really is concerning. And I know Adrian picked up on this as well. Um, in referencing Joe Biden, he says this. And this is a Catholic News Agency article. It says, quote, according to the Italian newspaper, Benedict also commented on U.S. President Joe Biden saying, quote, it is true he is Catholic and observant, and personally, he is against abortion, unquote. But as president, or he goes on, Benedict goes on to say, quote, as president, he tends to present himself in continuity with the line of the Democratic Party. And on gender policy, we still don't really understand what his position is, unquote. That, I think, is a very concerning statement. It seems to legitimize a person who could be Catholic in thought, but not in practicality. Because to, to, to be anti-abortion in thought, but to be for abortion in every single one of your policies as, as, uh, as president is, uh, is schizophrenic in some ways. There's a dual nature that is completely opposed to each other within you, and that's not good. And uh, so I, f- I found that very concerning to hear, Benedict. I mean... Adrian, what, what did you think when you heard that? Yes, whenever I heard it, it was honestly, this was the thing that was concerning me the most for today. Uh, it, it really struck a chord with me because, you know, Benedict was considered the, the safe person, the safe pope, someone that we could look to uh, for orthodoxy, that we could look up to, that we said, you know, he was good. Um, but we see now, I mean, 
it's one thing to uh, to not be up to date with what's going on in the politics. I mean, I'm sure he's he's retired, he's busy doing other things, but it's not like Joe Biden just came on the scene this year. He's not some person that has never been yeah. heard of before. Pope Benedict knew who he was before. He's been in politics his entire life, and uh, it's not like uh, and he and it's very clear what uh, Biden believes because one, he's officiated uh, same sex uh, unions. And he's uh, also been pro-abortion his entire career. Yeah. So it's uh, it's nonsensical to say that he's not supportive of either of those things and he's personally opposed. That's just not true. It's simply not true. And Benedict uh, saying this, it's I, I don't think we can any, any longer say that he's uh, just being manipulated by other people that he doesn't know better. Um, it's he's really, a very intelligent man. I, he's a very, his very age doesn't change man. that. Uh, he's you know, brilliant. And there's this part of the statement here that I found very interesting. It says he tends, speaking of Joe Biden, Benedict says he tends to present himself in continuity with the line of the Democratic Party. Is he is that is that sort of an implied critique of the Democratic Party? Um, if I read into that, I kind of think I would come away with that conclusion. In other words, he seems to be trying to distance in his mind, at least this is the way I'm interpreting it. So take it for a massive grain of salt here. But I, it seems like when I read this, I hear Benedict trying to distance himself or uh, distance Joe Biden in particular from the like sort of create a separation of sorts between Joe Biden personally and the Democratic Party, which espouses evils that the Catholic Church cannot endorse, i.e. abortion, uh, same-sex unions, things like that. And it shows that he's aware of the current platform of the Democrat Party, that he's uh, he's up to date on what's happening in the Democrat Party and making a distinction between the Democrat Party and Joe Biden. Similar to when uh, the Pope himself or the bishops might have been critical of, of, of President Donald Trump, I would like to see an authenticity here of criticism against Joe Biden. Um, he espouses publicly evils that we can't get behind and we should call for his conversion on those for the charity a sake of his of uh, president joe biden's soul right uh, because we should have charity for him too at any rate that's what's concerning us but don't go anywhere after the break richie orozco and breaking news are coming we'll be right back this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute gk chesterton says thanks are the highest form of thought at the sacrifice of the Mass, we hear the priest say, We do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Always and everywhere. Have we ever really thought about that? If we were always thankful to God, always and everywhere, what would our lives be like? Chesterton says, We should always endeavor to wonder at the permanent thing, not at the mere exception. We should be startled by the sun, not by the eclipse. We should wonder less at the earthquake and wonder more at the earth. Thanks are the highest form of thought. Maybe that's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, March 3rd, and these are your headlines for today. A leading Christian adoption agency is changing its nationwide policy and will now work with same-sex couples looking to foster or adopt children. Bethany Christian Services, which is the largest Protestant adoption and foster care agency in the United States, has updated its inclusivity policy to, quote, serve all families across Bethany's core service lines. After a 2019 lawsuit, Bethany Christian Services began placing children with same-sex couples in 12 states, including Michigan. Its updated policy extends this practice to all of its locations in the U.S. Meanwhile, Catholic adoption agencies in several states have closed rather than comply with mandates that they work with same-sex couples. Legislation repealing faith-based exemptions for adoption and foster care agencies passed the Virginia House of Delegates in February and is under consideration in the state Senate. The president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, yesterday announced via Twitter plans to introduce legislation which would bring about a digital green pass for residents within the European Union to allow ease of travel. The pass is intended to facilitate Europeans' lives by providing, quote, proof that a person has been vaccinated, results of tests for those who couldn't get a vaccine yet, and info on COVID-19 recovery, all while allegedly respecting data protection, security, and privacy. The proposal was met with mixed reviews by the 27 member states of the EU, some of which, such as Greece, backed the plan, having already instituted their own vaccine passport program at the national level. Here in the U.S., President Joe Biden signed an executive order in January directing the government to evaluate the feasibility of vaccine passports in America. 47 pro-democracy activists were formally charged on Sunday in Hong Kong and spent the night in custody. Their arrest is the latest in an ongoing crackdown on civil liberties in the territory. A crowd of hundreds, including Cardinal Joseph Zen, gathered outside West Kowloon Magistrates Court in Hong Kong on Monday morning to protest the arrests. The 47 pro-democracy activists are charged with plotting to, quote, subvert the state power by organizing, planning, committing, or participating by force or threat of force or other unlawful means by taking part in an unauthorized primary poll with a view to winning a majority in the territory's legislative assembly. The new national security law, which came into force last year, criminalizes previously protected civil liberties in Hong Kong, including freedom of speech and freedom of the press, under the headings of sedition and foreign collusion. And in a new book released on Tuesday, Pope Francis said that the world could face a catastrophe like the Great Flood if human beings fail to address climate change. In the book, the Holy Father reflects on the seven virtues and vices inspired by the Scrovegni Chapel in Padua. The chapel contains 14 monochrome images by the 14th, 14th century artist Giotto, which personify the virtues and vices. The Pope's comments about the flood came during a discussion of God's wrath, which he said was directed against evil emanating from Satan. The Holy Father said, quote, The flood is the result of God's wrath. God unleashed his wrath, but he saw a righteous man, took him and saved him. The story of Noah shows that the wrath of God is also a saving one. 
I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date with the news. I want to mention that we just took delivery of two cases of these uh, brand new uh, Catholic Drive Time coffee mugs that I'm holding in my hand here. I guess, what is this, a six ounce, eight ounce? I don't even know. But uh, it's got our logo, Catholic Drive Time logo on it, and we're, we're devising a game plan here of how we might uh, send these to some of our Catholic Drive Time super fans. So we'll come up with something, and I will announce that maybe next week about uh, how you might be able to get your hands on one of these uh, Catholic Drive Time mugs and be a part of the family here. But at any rate, I've also posted links to and the uh, the logos of all of the underwriters of our Fear and Trembling game show. They are the people that supply the prizes. Very cool prizes, by the way. And if you want to know who has supported the game show, if you go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, you can scroll down and find all the logos there and see who has been uh, supplying the very cool prizes. Again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Joining us all the way from, uh, I was going to say sunny California, but it's still very early there, so there's no sun, but Newport Beach, California, Richie Orozco, he is the CEO of Catholic Connect, and there was a story out, uh, CNA reported it yesterday, and we reported it here on Catholic Drive Time, that the Catholic Connect was suspended from Instagram for apparent copyright infringement, so I've invited him on to give us the inside scoop, and we'll dive into uh, Catholic Connect as well, but good morning to you. Richie Orozco. Richie, are you there? Good morning, Joe. Can you hear me? Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Instagram slapped us with two copyright infringements. The second one being, uh, well, the first one was from a Catholic account. Let me just point that out. The second one was the one that actually shut us down. And we actually did have the rights to use that video. So we reached out to the company where we licensed the video and they're working with us. Thankfully, they're fully cooperative and they're actually reaching out to the legal team of Instagram and to the internal team to to get our account reinstated or at least try to. Wow. What, it must have been somewhat, uh, it always, we get copyright strikes on YouTube on occasion for little things. Uh-huh. And I, every time I get it, my heart skips a beat. It's like, oh, no, what have I done now? It must, it must have been that, but more for you. What did it feel like to be told by Instagram? And how did they, in fact, inform you that they're suspending your account? Yeah, so it was the first video was from the Catholic account. And it, it was a funny story. He basically asked all his followers to share this video. And it was a beautiful procession video. And I was like, oh, I definitely want people seeing that. So as you know, we had like 270,000 uh, followers and I was like okay I'm gonna share this video so I shared the video and then right away uh, within a I want to say like three four hours we get a copyright infringement from the person that asked like everyone to share it and then uh, anyway they took it down and then on his story he's like thank you everyone for sharing it and I'm like oh gosh <laughs> and so anyway I I saw the copyright infringement I was like it's it's okay whatever like we'll just keep posting and and then we get this is what is a little bit strange. We get hit with this copyright infringement from the second video, uh, probably around six hours later. And that's actually what shut down our account. And we, I replied right away, let them know that I was looking into the matter and, uh, that I, what was weird is I couldn't see the second video because they banned me from (laughs) Instagram. So I couldn't see what they were like accusing me of. So I asked them if they could send me what video it was. And then the next day I finally got it. 
And right away, I realized that we did have the licensing rights to that. So, I mean, as of right now, we're still trying to get it back. I'm honestly not surprised. It's been a good five, six years of us being on Instagram. Mm. We're very vocal about everything we do. Um, we don't care what it is, politics, church teaching, anything. We'll, we'll make sure we always stay on 100% with the church. But at the same time, we, we want to connect to the youth. And as you know, most of our audience is from 18 to 40s. So it's a perfect way to reach them. So we want to make sure that they're always getting the truth. Um, and I mean, honestly, like I said, I'm not really that surprised that they finally got us. <laughs> but we're going to fight it. And as you know, we already started Catholic Connect 2.0 because um, <laughs> we're not going to give up that easily. And, and I mean, within a couple hours, uh, we passed 5,000 followers. And then right now, I think we're like, 6,700. Wow. We're going to keep going. (laughs) That's amazing. Richie Orozco is our guest. He is the CEO of Catholic Connect, a Catholic social media site. Richie, let me ask you a question. Do you think, Mm -hmm. do you feel like the copyright uh, strike uh, policies and programs are fair on social media platforms? I have felt, I've been on YouTube for a long time, and Mm -hmm. I felt like it's a little bit lopsided. People can make claims, and it's the burden is on the content creator to have to uh, overcome all the hurdles. So the person making the claim doesn't have to do a whole lot uh, compared to the person who is being accused. How do you feel now that you've kind of gone through this? Did, did you feel like this was a fair process, or would you like to see some changes? Definitely not a fair process because, uh, again, the company that's controlling it, it depends how their employees lean. So as we all know, big tech leans left. And so they're obviously more biased in that way. But um, they didn't even ask us to to dispute it. Instead, they just shut us down. We yeah. couldn't even see the second content. So at this point, we, we were left with trying to scramble and find out what video it was. And then from there, seeing if we had the rights. And obviously, we did. So we're going to keep fighting for it. And so, yeah, definitely... There should be a, a different way of how they go through it. And obviously, they shouldn't just be able to just close your account um, right away without actually any evidence. So, um, yeah, that's that's my... And, and YouTube, and not just that. Let me add one more thing. Last year, there was like 15 accounts, Catholic accounts, that got shut down out of nowhere. Uh, in total, there were like, I want to say like 10 million followers. And that was all over the news. When they got on the news, then they finally retracted it. Facebook apologized, said it was a glitch. We all know it wasn't a glitch. It was probably someone that didn't like Catholics or conservative values, and then they just shut them down. But obviously, they got on the news. And I actually know a few people from Facebook and the internal team. And uh, they were trying to help. But the problem is right now with the pandemic, they use that as an excuse to not provide support. Mm. Uh, Not them themselves, but the Instagram support. Uh, so you're not, they're not available through chat, through phone calls. It's only emails, and they respond if they want to. All right, hold that thought. Richie Orozco is our guest, CEO of Catholic Connect. We're talking about censorship. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more from Richie. We live with the illusion that we are in control. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Yet how much of life actually is under our control? We need to develop our talents and make prudent preparations for the future. 
But how many times have our plans been sidetracked by forces outside our control? Sometimes unexpected changes have even opened up new opportunities. In his rule, Saint Benedict talks about the beauty and purpose of monastic life. The rule is very successful at separating the monks who live according to its teaching from the illusion of control, giving us a peaceful confidence in God's provident care. For your free copy of the Rule of Saint Benedict, visit oneminutemonk.com. O n e minutemonk.com. It's all preparation for our last act of letting go of control, when we will have to commend our life trustingly into the Father's hands and death. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it, so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. I want to thank Sean and Patty and everybody hanging out with us and sharing our content today over on the Facebook side. If you're on the YouTube or Twitter as well, please do us a favor, like and like and share. That really helps us out. Richie uh, Orozco is our guest. He is the CEO of Catholic Connect, and they were suspended by Instagram. We've been talking about that in the first segment here. Uh, Richie, I know there's a lot of listeners that might not be familiar with Catholic Connect. You mentioned it briefly in the beginning of our, of our conversation, but maybe you can tell us what is Catholic Connect? Why did you found this? Uh, what do you hope to accomplish? Richie, are you there? First of all, thank you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, Catholic Connect, we st- I started it, I want to say, seven years ago. And what I really wanted to do was connect Catholics to church teaching. And I knew that going to a secular school, I realized that a lot of the youth we were missing out on. So I wanted to do something to connect them. And so I started posting Catholic content out there and in a few different ways in order to actually reach the youth, because I saw that no one was really touching that as much and so i i was trying to get them and i honestly did not expect it to grow so quickly within the first couple of months we had over fifty thousand people following us and and after that i decided to um i got some messages about how much it was changing people's lives and i was like okay if this is working i gotta start doing it everywhere so i started growing it and then it became a full-on company we now have 35 people working with us, uh, wow. some in Manila, some in Newport Beach, and some in Houston. And we have both a for-profit and a non-profit. And one, it, the for-profit is a technology company. One, it, it's a whole system to accept donations for churches to, so that can, they can better accept donations because I saw that systems are very outdated. And they don't even accept Apple Pay or Google Pay or anything like that. And it's very hard for third world countries to accept donations um, because they don't really have technology and they can't afford it. it, Like the big companies don't take it over there because they're not going to make a huge profit. So I wanted to change that. And I've been working with the Filipino conference of bishops and 
they they have been working alongside with us, endorsed us, and so now we're going to provide this to all the Filipinos, and wow. not just to the Filipinos, but every country. And so on top of that, we have a Catholic social media app that we've been working on because I keep emphasizing the Catholic Church should not fully rely on secular technology, which now we're seeing why. But I mean, it's happened all throughout the the years. Um, big tech is obviously biased against Catholics, so. Uh, we're going to keep doing everything that we're doing, working on our social media app, so that one day I just want to make sure that the church has something and they don't have to fully rely on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, that they have something solid that they can work on. As you know, we've been working on this app for three years. So it's it has not been easy, but I mean, we've had, we got over, uh, I think we've had in total 70 developers. So we've had a lot of people work on it. And right now, our team consists of around 35 developers. And I mean, we're going strong and we're going to keep working on it. And on top of that, like I told you, we have a charity. Uh, we provide a lot of assistance to orphanages all across the world. And we're going to keep doing that. We help parishes in Mexico, where a lot of the families with the pandemic, uh, they were literally left without a job. We provided a lot of parishes with resources so they can actually go out there and feed the, the families that are needing the help. And so um, obviously we all have to do our part and that's really how we're doing our part. And yeah, so on top of that, we, we use secular social media to reach the Catholics that are out there because we know that the younger generation of Catholics is barely getting reached by any company. So we really wanted to focus on that on that demographic and i mean obviously it's been doing really well and and yeah so that's pretty much what catholic connect is <laughs> now, now richie um what is your opinion on alternative social media platforms such as parlor or rumble or MeWe? have you considered moving your platform to those alternative platforms yeah so i was actually using parlor i have MeWe and gab and a few others but this is the thing uh again the church should not rely 100% on any secular company because we, I'll give you an example. Parler. Parler shut down an account not too long ago of mm -hmm. a conservative, and he was posting memes, and apparently it was viewed as offensive, so then they shut him down. So even though the companies call themselves conservatives or traditional, whatever they want to call themselves, they're not Catholic. And if they're not Catholic, we should always be a little bit on the cautious side. And I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't go there. But we should definitely go there because there's always going to be Catholics in those platforms. But let's tr be more prudent and actually have something where we can always fall back to and not just fall back to where we can actually rely and know that if we post 100 percent, if we post something like calling out Joe Biden for not actually being a practicing Catholic, where we know that that content is not going to get taken down. Um, you can do that on Facebook and it can t be taken down. We can't do anything about it. Uh, we can, for example, Twitter. Live, live action, the biggest pro-life organization, can't run any ads on Twitter, any pro-life ads. They know this. They still use it to reach a lot of people, which is good, but they don't fully rely on Twitter. Same thing with Facebook. Facebook, a few years, was blocking pro-life ads, and they wouldn't say why. And then, uh, like a year ago, they finally threw something in the terms and conditions, calling it political. And now, that's how they use like uh, they, the excuse of blocking it. So, yeah, we should definitely use alternative social media, but at the same time, again, as a church, we should be careful on what we use and what we fully rely on. 
Richie uh, Orozco, Richie Orozco, CEO of Catholic Connect, is our guest. We're talking about his Catholic media social platform, Catholic Connect, and his his work. Uh, but also the general issues of censorship and, and and you bring up a great point, Richie, about not depending. And, you know, and I've been saying this now for quite a bit of a uh, number of years. Mm-hmm. The Catholic evangelist being able to reach the masses is becoming harder and harder. There is no or as far as I know, and, and I would love for you to correct me and and maybe mm-hmm. someday there this will be true. But as far as I know, there is not a Catholic organization on planet Earth that has purchased and set up and maintains server farms directly connected to the DNS servers around the world in order to guarantee that Catholic organizations like Catholic Connect or the Guadalupe Radio Network, the Station of the Cross, will have access to the masses by hosting their websites, their emails, their text messages, their videos, their audio podcasts, their memes and pictures. For you know, as far as I know, there. There is no such organization, meaning that we are now dependent upon all of these platforms to give us the access that uh, that we want, need in order to communicate the good, the true, and the beautiful to the world. And yeah. I, I see that that narrowing for more and more every day. Prime, Amazon Prime is canceling books that they don't like out of their store. How many people? purchase their books directly from uh, publishers, Catholic publishers. How many go to Catholic bookshops? Mm-hmm. Very few these days. Um, so I think you bring up an excellent point. Do you see a future in which there will be such an organization within the Catholic world that will protect us and give us the ability to reach the masses? Yeah, so I like how you mentioned Amazon. Let's let's keep using that example. They shut down Parler because Parler was re- fully relying on Amazon web servers, uh, which they're one of the top uh, web companies well, server companies, and so a lot of companies use them, and we actually use part of them. And then I started realizing, okay, we can't fully re- rely on on Amazon or Google or Microsoft. How can we do this? And so we're actually working on an alternative right now, which is through cryptocurrency. And it's it's basically it it would be pretty much in this uh, on shut. No one can shut you down, pretty much. And so. We've been working on this. It's going to take a pro- probably a, like six more months for us to fully be functioning like this. But with this alternative, not just co- Catholic companies, but any Catholic, I mean, any company will be able to operate without being able to get shut down. And that's the good thing about this. It's a huge company. It's a nonprofit from Switzerland that actually started this program. And it's called Definity. And so we're actually working with that platform to actually make sure that this is something that in the future we can provide to any Catholic entity. But again, I mean, we're the first Catholic entity and we're the first out of many, even secular to even try and do this. I put, uh, I want to say like a month and a half ago, I put three developers to start building on this and the company reached out to us right away and they said, Hey, we appreciate you guys building on this. We'll actually, we'll help you. Uh, do you guys know what you're doing? And I was like, I, I started reading about it probably two months ago and I was I just couldn't sleep for like two nights I just read everything they had I looked at everything and I was like if this works this is going to be like revolutionary because then we don't depend on any platform and not only that it's a lot cheaper than Google Amazon or Microsoft wow and they know this and so that's going to hit their business hard and that's why they don't want this company to succeed but this company has fundraised over 200 million dollars and if we get the infrastructure right then no one can shut us down. 
That's incredible. That's incredible. Wow. <laughs> well, I hope and pray that yeah. that actually works. That would be a, an amazing thing. I still worry, though, that we will be shut off from the main. Like, it's okay to have a. You have your own website. You have your own social platform. But if the bulk of the audience is on a secular platform, how mm-hmm. do we reach those people? How do we connect with those people? Are there ways of overcoming, overcoming even those obstacles? If we're still allowed to play in the digital world, how do we, how do we go to the playgrounds that have banned us? We have about three minutes mm-hmm. left with Richie Orozco from CEO you, of Catholic you Connect. You keep creating, you keep creating ca- uh, Catholic accounts. Look, they're going to keep shutting down Catholic accounts everywhere you are. Um, that's the truth reality. Honestly, I'm surprised that we lasted five years <laughs> because, like I said, we're very vocal. We got in a lot of, like, warnings before. For A uh, priest reached out two years ago and said, hey, this is weird, but I can't run a pro-life ad. Uh, Facebook keeps denying it. They won't – or declining it, but they won't tell me why. And I was like, send me the ad, and I'll try it. I had three different people. Two of them worked at Facebook trying to help me. And obviously, they don't say they work. It's like, they don't – say tell anyone that they're working with me oh no but they tried running it they couldn't run it and then they told me it's pro-life and i was like i know it's pro-life i just wanted to hear from you (laughs) all right (laughs) we're out of time richie orozco ceo of catholic connect god love you god bless you thank you for your time today i know you've been up all night it's time for you to go to bed richie god bless you brother (laughs) thank you for all you you do All right, Check out uh, his website, catholicconnect.co, catholicconnect.co. We'll have to have him back. It was a great guest. But if you're able to join us in the next hour, we surely would love to have you. Our game show comes in the next hour, plus more breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, and the after show where there's even more conversation around some of these headlines that I would like to have. But the, you, my dear listener, get to be the bulk of the conversation in the after show. All that still to come in Catholic Drive Time. And we, you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, or on on uh, on the YouTube. We'll see you then. God bless you. God love you. If you can't, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of, or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? 
If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Have you said that yet this morning? I think it helps. Just give God some praise. First thing you do out of the day. It really does make a difference in your life. And if you're like already driving down the road, then you know, maybe roll the window down, stick your head out and shout it out. It'll really freak out the people next to you, but that's okay. You get extra points for that. But praise be to God. We just finished a great conversation with uh, Richie Orozco from Catholic Connect. Really good, insightful conversation about censorship, about the difficulties as Catholics to share uh, this message across all these platforms that really seem to not want to allow us to do that. So uh, a lot of fun in that conversation. Emily, good morning to you. Good morning. It, it was so exciting to hear some a, a faithful Catholic who is doing something about the censorship. Yeah. And he's actually, his accomplishments have been incredible for someone so young. So yeah, gives you a lot of hope. Yeah, it does for sure. Uh of course, Adrian Fonseca is here speaking of hope. Good morning to you. Speaking of hope, yes, absolutely. And if y'all want to get uh, inspired with some hope, uh, check out our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our Rumble account at Catholic Drive Time to see and share the interview that we got uh, in the last hour. It's a great interview, and I think it should be shared with everyone. All right. Praise be to God. So that'll be coming up later today. Plus, you can always get the audio podcast of our show over at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can find the audio podcast there. We are we are working on getting the audio uh, podcast up to iTunes and Google Play, so that'll be coming uh, maybe Stitcher. I don't know if that's possible, but we're going to try to get it ubiquitously everywhere. We'll let you know when that happens, but you can find all the details at grnonline.com. We have breaking news and stories coming up, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then, of course, our Catholic Trivia Game Show. 
And we have a brand new prize this week. Beth, one of our listeners, has a, a website called Gifts by Beth, and she is generously donating a beautiful handcrafted rosary to give away this week. And you'll have three more chances at getting in on that drawing today, but you do need to keep the number nice and handy. We always take the first caller, and there's been several people who have tried to call and uh, you know came in at number two or three or whatever. So today might be your day. Call early and... Uh, and maybe you'll be the contestant. I'll give out the number in just a little while. But we're going to have, plus the after show, we'll discuss everything that came up in the program. There's a couple of more articles out that I'm concerned about. Maybe we'll get to those. We'll have to just see how it goes. The after show is a bit more organic. Okay, so the conversation goes wherever you, our dear listener, want it to go. So your comments on the social platforms really drive that. So if you're there hanging out with us, give us a share, give us a like, and give us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to include your prayers with ours and ask Our Lady to intercede on all of our behalf. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. The governors of Texas and Mississippi both announced on Tuesday they would be lifting their state's mask mandates and rolling back many of their COVID-19 health mandates. In a statement yesterday afternoon, Governor Greg Abbott said, quote, COVID still exists, but it is clear from the recoveries, from the vaccinations, from the reduced hospitalizations, and from the safe practices that Texans are using, that state mandates are no longer needed. Abbott's new executive order would rescind most of his prior COVID-19 executive orders and allow all businesses to be open 100% effective March 10th. Shortly after Abbott's announcement, Governor Tate Reeves announced that he would end Mississippi's statewide mask mandate effective today, Wednesday. The co-founder of Wikipedia is launching a free speech alternative to the online encyclopedia. In an interview last week, Larry Sanger said that Wikipedia entries are formulated in a way that completely ignores any conservative, libertarian, or critical treatment of the subject. In an essay posted to his website, Sanger presented a number of examples of Wikipedia entries that demonstrated a significant liberal bias in the writing and editing, often hiding or altering key facts. Sanger is now setting up the Knowledge Standards Foundation, which aims at defining tech standards for encyclopedias and would refuse any donations from Silicon Valley, corporations and governments in order to protect neutrality. The Encyclosphere Project would build a network, one that, like the Internet itself, all of humanity owns and no one exclusively controls. The Canadian Bishops' Conference announced Thursday that after a review of organizations that receive project funding, it will discontinue 24 partnerships over concerns about compatibility with church teaching. The investigation was carried out by a joint subcommittee mandated in 2017 of the Bishops' Conference and the Canadian Catholic Organization for Development and Peace. Several dioceses withheld funds from the CCODP beginning in 2018 over findings that the agency has had partnered with organizations upholding policies contradictory to church teaching, particularly on matters of abortion, contraception, and gender theory. The CCODP has agreed to revise its process for selecting international partners, with new criteria being developed. 
The Canadian Bishops' Conference will also have a stake in the review and approval of partners. A judge on Tuesday found three activists who distributed images depicting Poland's Black Madonna icon with a rainbow halo not guilty of offending religious feelings. Three women went on trial in Poland in January accused of offending religious feelings, a crime punishable by up to two years in prison. A Polish newspaper reported yesterday that the judge concluded that the activists did not intend to offend religious sensibilities or to insult the venerated image of the Virgin Mary. The judge reportedly added that their actions were aimed at protecting people facing discrimination. The prosecutor's office is reportedly likely to appeal against the verdict. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus in all things. Blessed Concepcion Cabrera de Armida. Pray for us, otherwise known as Conchita. She was born on the 8th of December, 1862, in San Luis Potosi. How do you say that, Emily? Potosi. Potosi. I knew that it was said better than that. Potosi in Mexico. Now, remember December the 8th. There is something with December the 8th and the saints. I see that date come up all the time in the uh, stories of the saints. And and Conchita here was born on that day in 1862. She was born during a Mexican Civil War. She grew up during a revolutionary period with lots of religious persecutions. This is the time of the Cristeros. But she was a, a laywoman. She was married for 22 years. She was the mother of of nine children and a grandmother, but she was widowed at the young age of 39. She spent the rest of her life doing incredible works, though. She founded several initiatives uh, under the brand of the Work of the Cross, the Apostolate of the Cross, the Congregation of Sisters of the Cross of the Sacred Heart, the Alliance of Love with the Heart of Jesus, the Apostolic League, the Congregation of Missionaries of the Holy Spirit. This is just incredible life this woman has uh, has lived. And although her children claim they rarely, if ever, saw her writing, she left behind 65,000 handwritten pages of mystical meditations. Uh, Concepcion Cabrera de Armida died on the 3rd of March, 1937 in Mexico City. She was beatified on the 4th of May, 2019 by Pope Francis. Blessed Concepcion Cabrera de Armida, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 28. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, scourged, and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right and the other at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, We can. He replied, My chalice you will indeed drink. But to sit at my right and at my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. 
Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, it just struck me as I was reading this. The image of the mother of James and John taking her two sons to Jesus to ask for this incredible honor to sit at his right and his left in the kingdom. I, I don't know about how they felt, but I would be incredibly embarrassed <laughs> by, by my mother. You know, I felt, like, I felt like I could see them as like little boys, right? You know, just like having no choice or no say in this conversation. That's probably not at all what was happening, but it just felt like that when I was reading it. I had this image in my mind of the embarrassment to feel like, oh, come on, mom, stop it. You're embarrassing us. I just thought it was cute. But there's an awesome thing here that I think we should pay attention to during the holy season of Lent, and that's our Lord's determination. Three times, this is the third time in St. Matthew's Gospel alone, where he predicts his own passion. And in this occasion, he actually links the Jewish and the Roman authorities together in the effort to put him to death. But alas, he shall be raised on the third day. The determination of Jesus to go to Calvary, to die there on the cross. I'm thinking also about John chapter 12, uh, when Jesus says, you know, should I not? do this? Should I not go? Should I? Of course I will. For It's for this reason I have come. And I think about us and our willingness, yours and mine, are we willing to die on the cross next to Jesus there on Calvary? Because that is what he says disciples, true disciples must do, take up their cross and follow him to Calvary and there die. St. Paul would say it in, in Colossians 1.24, I fill up that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, that is the church. What could be lacking in the once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary? Well, it's easy. St. Paul says it's you, it's me. It's our lack of determination to die to self, to die next to Christ, and to rise with him again. And Jesus is determined, and so should we be determined, especially in this holy season of Lent, as the world becomes more and more secular, as the world reverts to more and more paganism, are we resolved to be Christians unto death? And praise God, please God, let it not be. Let us die peacefully in our beds. But if it be his will that we should be martyred, do we have the courage for it? To witness to a world that is so desperate to hear that message, that truth, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Are we prepared for it? Are we ready to die? That's what I took away from this. Adrian, what do you have? Yes. So, the one thing I wanted to bring up was about defending the mother a little bit. So, St. Jerome defends the mom here. Uh, he says that, you know, it's understandable where she's coming from here. She's coming from a motherly perspective. She's coming from a womanly uh, attitude and in this circumstance, and therefore she can be forgiven for this because she had an affectionate piety, and she didn't really know what exactly she was actually asking for here because um, she was essentially asking for the death of her sons uh, to, to drink of the chalice of our Lord. Um, but, and St. Chrysostom says that even her sons can be uh, forgiven for this. Why? Because they were, to, he said, do not be disturbed by the imperfections of the apostles because 
they had not yet receiving, received the spirit of God from above. The Pentecost had not yet happened. And once we see that the Pentecost happens and the Holy Ghost descends upon them, at that point, they are willing to go to their deaths, as we talked about before a couple of weeks ago about the sons of thunder of James and John of these uh of th- these actions that they go out and convert nations namely Spain uh so we know that uh, that they have go on to do great things for our lord so we can, those things can be forgiven according to Chrysostom and Jerome amen praise be to god well, uh, there might, might be more conversation in the after show, uh, which is coming up here just a little while later in the Catholic Drive Time. But we have the game show is coming up next. And if you have ever wanted to be the contestant, now is your chance. You can be the first caller at 877-757-9424. We take the first caller. Uh, so that's coming up next. And if you've not had that chance, well, this is your opportunity. Again, 877-757-9424. Three more chances to get into the coffee cup of divine providence. This week, we're giving out a prize sponsored by Gifts by Beth. All that coming up, 877-757-9424. Trivia is next. Call now. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you, and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... 
Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we uh, secretly and hiddenly try to share a little bit about the faith. We always learn something new. We try to have a little bit of a laugh in the process and prizes are involved. And we're very grateful to everyone who tries to be a contestant on the program, but we always take the first caller. So you got to be super quick on that, uh, on dialing that number. But here's the deal. Well, if you're just joining us and you're like, what is going on? What is all this? Well, we don't ask the caller any of these Catholic trivia questions. Nope. Instead, we ask Emily, we ask Adrian, and one of them will have a right answer and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian. And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. This week's prize is sponsored by one of our listeners, Beth. Now, Beth makes beautiful handcrafted rosaries and jewelry pieces. So her website is giftsbybeth.com. And on there, you can find her handcrafted rosaries, uh, as well as bracelets uh, and other jewelry, such as earrings and uh, necklaces. Now, she's giving away her Our Lady of Grace rosary this week. All right. Praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Good morning, Monica. How are you? Well, doing just what? Really well. How are y'all doing this blessed day? Praise be to God, we are alive. And that counts. Excellent. <laughs> That's always a plus. <laughs> it always counts, every single time. Now, Monica, where are you from? Uh, McKinney, Texas. Hey, now, McKinney, Texas. Praise be to God. Where do you go to church? Uh, St. Gabriel with the Archangel. Wow, that's wonderful. And today, you're—I I hear that you have—you have someone in the car with you, and you're headed to school. Is that—is that the case today? Yes, we're in, currently in the line to drop him off. So uh, this is Noah. <laughs> Hello, Noah. <laughs> Thank you for being on our show today, Noah. Praise be to God. And uh, how old is Noah? What about fourteen? Fourteen. Fourteen. So then you're going to be an expert at these three questions, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll be able to hear you uh, and trying to answer. But are do you guys familiar with the rules of the game? Do you understand how the game is played? Yes, I've listened several times, and I just uh, finally got in on the phones there, and uh, I was I was really surprised. I was like, yay, thank you. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, Monica, Noah, we're very grateful that you're on the show today, and are you ready to play? Uh, yes, yes, definitely. All right, Emily, we'll start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yes. Here we go. Emily, can you tell me, how does the church command us to worship God on Sunday. How does the church command us to worship God on Sunday? So the church commands us to assist at Holy Mass on Sundays. Really? Assist? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me how does the church command us to worship God on Sunday? Uh, let's see. I always pray a rosary on Sunday, so I'm going to say, yeah, to pray a rosary. To pray a rosary. Are you sure? Yep. Could be. Who knows? Let's see. Adrian is on the hook for Pray a Rosary. Emily is on the hook for Assist at Holy Mass. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Monica and Noah, what say you? I believe that that's Emily. Survey says. Congratulations. You You were not fooled, although Adrian probably made it a little too easy. Don't you think? (laughs) Well, I, I... I'd never heard that before, and if it, if I have a, a, a rosary, I'm going to 
agree. There have been many times on Sunday I did not do what I should have. <laughs> Sometimes Adrian has much pity and mercy upon the callers, and he, he makes the, e- the easy wrong answer. Sometimes he doesn't, though. It just all depends. But Depends on know, my mood, how much coffee I've had. I like in this question the way it's worded, by assisting at Holy Mass. I think many of us have not really thought in those terms, that we are at Mass to give God what is due to him, our worship, but we are there to assist the priest at Holy Mass. All of us, not just the altar service. I think that's fascinating. So, uh, praise be to God. Hopefully we learned something new. And you are now in the official, it's a brand new, by the way, coffee cup of Divine Providence. Uh, if you're hanging out with us on live video, you can see our beautiful Catholic Drive Time logo on this cup. And we're going to probably send these, I think, to our, our super fans. We'll, we'll tell you all about that next week. All right, Monica, Noah, are you ready for your next yeah. question? Or it's actually, it's going to be to them, but you guys get to listen anyway. Are you ready? Okay, yes, please. All right, here we go. Adrian, we'll start with you. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the term for the remission in whole or part of the temporal punishments due to sin, provided the sin has already been forgiven? Ooh, that's a complicated one. Uh, should, I, should I read that again? Yes, read it one more time. What is the term, so we're looking for a term here, for the remission in whole or part of the temporal punishments due to sin? Provided that the sin has already been forgiven. So I'm guessing for sins we've gone to confession for. Okay, what is for the term for the remission for. of the temporal punishments? Let's see. I will go with an apostolic blessing. An apostolic blessing. Hmm. Could be. Sounds reasonable. Let's see what Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell me what is the term for the remission in whole or part of the temporal punishments due to sin? And they have to be sins we've already been forgiven for. So this uh, is an indulgence. Ooh, are you sure? Yes. Okay, Mm -hmm. so Emily is on the hook for an indulgence, and Adrian is on the hook for an apostolic blessing. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Monica and Noah, what say you? Oh, goodness. Uh, How about the apostolic blessing? Survey says... I'm so sorry. This was a tricky one. In all fairness, this was a tricky one. But the answer is, in fact, an indulgence. So, uh, Adrian, there's two there's two sides to this. Uh, you know, you go to a confession, you you commit a you, once you've committed a sin, you've killed God's grace inside of you, and so you have to confess that, and you're restored. But there's still a temporal aspect to sin, right? Uh, yes. So we have to pay a even though we've gone to confession, uh, we still have to pay back the sin that we've committed in purgatory, but an indulgence releases us from that obligation that of purgatory. It's a, it's kind of like if you threw a, a baseball ball through a uh, window, you can still be forgiven, but you still got to pay for the window. Uh, but an indulgence is, is if the owner came out and said, you know, I'll cover the cost of the window as well. Yeah, so indulgence. Uh, Martin Luther didn't like the sales of indulgences, but indulgences are still around and they're still awesome. So Yeah, well, and there's a lot you can get for Holy Week, actually. That's yeah, coming up. Praise God. There's an indulgence prayer before the crucifix, for instance. You can Google it, and every time you uh, pray before a crucifix, you might uh, receive an indulgence. All right, Monica and Noah, you still get one more chance in the coffee cup of divine providence, and I'm pretty sure this next one's going to be fairly, fairly straightforward and easy, so let's just see how it goes. Emily, we're back to you. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Who was the first apostle to be martyred? Um, so the first martyr was St. Stephen. Okay, so your answer is St. Stephen? 
Yes. All right. Let's see what uh, Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me who was the first apostle to be martyred? The first apostle to be martyred, uh, that was one of the Sons of Thunder, uh, James the Greater. Now, we talked Not about the lesser, James the Greater. Okay, so your answer is St. James the Greater. And Emily's answer is St. Stephen. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Monica and Noah, what say you? I'm going to go with Emily. Survey says, I'm oh, so no. sorry, Monica. It's actually St. Oh. James the Greater. Yeah, oh, St. Stephen dear. is the first martyr, but St. James deacon. was the first apostle that yeah. was martyred. It was, yeah. Oh, I should it have was a technicality. A technicality. <laughs> Sorry, Monica. But okay. no, good no, news no, is it's, it's you're still in the coffee cup of divine providence, and you could still be the winner on Friday for uh, Gifts by yeah. Beth, which is a beautiful handcrafted rosary. And Beth is a constant listener of the program, too, so uh, we're very grateful to her. But Monica, Noah, we're very grateful that you played the game today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. God bless y'all. God bless you, too. Have a great day, and God love you. We're going to put you on hold so we can get your phone number just in case. Uh, it is God's uh, providential will that your name will be pulled out of the cup on Friday, and we'll be able to call you back and connect you to Beth and get your, your prize. So, All right, that's going to do it for the radio side of the program. Uh, of course, Holy Mass will begin airing here across the Guadalupe Radio Network in a couple of minutes from now. And if you're going to go to Holy Mass, we would ask that you kindly keep us as one of your prayer intentions. We'd be very grateful to you. Uh, we are very grateful to everyone who hung out with us today on radio across the Station of the Cross, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to God for your generosity being part of the Catholic Drive Time family. And if you want to hang out with us in the after show, then do us a favor and jump on one of the social streams. Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter, but I've cross-posted us like in all kinds of places, on Gab, on Parler, on LinkedIn. Um, there's just a bunch of places we're cross-posting, and I think we're going to, I'm going to see about getting us cross-posted on Catholic Connect, too. That'd be kind of fun. But all of that conversation is going to come up in the after show, where you get to drive where the conversation goes. Your comments, we'll read your comments, we'll conversate with you, we'll talk about uh, whatever we discussed in the show is on the table and so much more. And usually it's fun and lively conversation. So if you're at all able to join us on social media, we'd love to have you. If not, maybe you can come back tomorrow and be a part of the show. We have a whole new show lined up tomorrow. And I think one of the topics we're covering tomorrow is same-sex attraction from a Catholic perspective. So tune in, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network and across the Station of the Cross, and we'd love to have you on that as well. Have you downloaded the GRN mobile app? I'd recommend you do. It's a great place to listen to your local GRN radio stations, get the podcast of this show and others, and so much more. Just search your iOS and Android store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Until tomorrow, God love you, God bless you, and we'll see you in the after show. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time.
Praise be to God. That was a lot of fun with Monica and Noah. I, I love it when uh, parents call in taking their kids to school and they're a part of the show, part of the game show, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we're all learning something. And that's part of the part of the process. I see a ton of comments today. It's a good show today. I like Dave Everest says, uh, Adrian is a bad liar. <laughs> that's awesome. Praise be to God. Lori. Thank you for uh, being on the show today. I saw earlier, I looked over, I had a moment, you were, you were you're commenting quite a bit. We're very grateful to you. You're one of our top fans, our super fans. Praise be to God. So there's a ton of comments here. Um, I don't know where we begin, Emily. Where do you want to begin? Um, well, let's see. I've been watching the ones on Facebook. So hello. We had some new, I think David Everest is a new commenter. So welcome to the show. Delia, I haven't seen you before, so thanks for commenting. Um, of course, we have Lori and Patty were here. Yeah, amen. Pray, praise be to God. Now, um, Delia is uh, my friend from uh, back in the day. She was uh, in, in, up in the Brooklyn area, but she's since moved to Florida, and she's done a tremendous amount of work in Catholic apostolate work, and she used to program, or she might still do it, I don't even know. She used to program Catholic radio stations in South America. And she included some of my content produced when I was doing podcasting. I was producing a podcast called The Catholic Hack. And she would take some of that content. And then I started producing a show called Behold the Man. And she took that show as well and would include it in her programming lineup on many stations. So Delia is an amazing, amazing woman. Mr. Thomas Anderson is so funny. He says... Why are developers all young? I never see a 50-year-old developer. <laughs> <laughs> I never see a 50-year-old developer. I know, it's true. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it, Richie sounded so, like he, like he he was on it. He knew his stuff, yeah, definitely. He knows his stuff. Uh, I've known Richie for a few years, actually. I met him pretty early on after opening the Houston Catholic Radio Station for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, he Because he's based, he, his family lives near here. So it was, uh, it was great to get to meet him. And he, I knew back then he told me, when, I remember him telling me the first time, he's like, I'm going to create this social media platform. And I thought at the time thinking, um, why when there's Facebook? Why, why, would you, why would you feel the need? And, you know, I think he's ahead of his time. I think he's really, you know, forecasting the difficult days ahead of us. And I, um, I'm very inspired by that. All right, Adrian, we have, uh, we have declined to read, as per your contract, the Jesus Robles' comments. I don't know what you pay Jesus to affirm you all the time, but uh, it, it must be cheap. significant. It's not cheap. It must be significant. Now, I do know that Jesus has an addiction to uh, beautifully handcrafted uh, statuary that probably is not inexpensive. So you're helping to fuel his incre <laughs> incredible, beautiful, uh, you know, construction and building of this, these commissioning these wonderful pieces like this crucified or scorched rather scorched Jesus behind me. He's got two more pieces that he's promised to bring to the studio. One is a crucified Lord, and the other is uh, the Saint Michael uh, statue, and they are utterly, utterly, incre incredibly beautiful and amazing. Whoever the master artist is that does that. Like beyond, beyond awesome. Just really, really amazing. Yeah, the uh, we, we apparently we had uh, we weren't on y'all. Y'all never put yourself on air. So sorry, guys. Y'all weren't seeing Joe and Emily a second ago. Uh, which oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's my bad. It's usually my job. Uh, but but a let's see. Adrian was busy, and I I was too busy, <laughs> not paying attention to. Whoops. The, 
Let's see. The brain is shut off. Ain't no topper fan than me. I'm watching y'all on Facebook and simultaneously monitoring the radio and and the wattage level. We need to get that man a mug. (laughs) Get that man a mug. Topper fan. You know, Jesus, I don't even manage the wattage level for the for the radio station. So uh, I think you you have topped me as well. Match that, he says. Uh, I I don't think I can match that. (laughs) Praise be to God. That's awesome. Lori says, "Calm down, Jesus. We all know you and enjoy." your comments ouch <laughs> shot across the bow going on in the com box on facebook it's awesome uh, show the statues please um i wish i could take the camera over there let's um, see i tell you what tomorrow i will take pictures of the statues and i'll uh post the and i'll uh, yeah. make them um hmm. uh i'll put a picture of them on the screen hmm. whenever we're talking how do i how do i oh hey seuss can you post pictures of the uh, of the new statuary that you have promised will eventually end up here at the studios? I mean, they are really, really amazing. And uh, maybe we should interview the, the craftsmen sometime. They'd be pretty cool. David, um, did y'all read David, Bad Liar we Adrian? Did, yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, Dave yeah. Everest is, a, is an old friend. He is an incredible supporter of Catholic Radio as well. He's been around a long time. I consider it a virtue that I'm a bad liar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, David. And we have Angela over on YouTube said, Pray, hope, and don't worry from Padre Pio. And also he liked our interview with Richie. And Mr. Thomas Anderson said, We connect through radio. I remember when I was young, it was through Radio Voice of America that we reached people in communist countries. Radio defeated the communists. Now, I know Mr. Thomas has mentioned before that English is not his first language. So, Mr. Thomas, if you would like to share with us, um, where are you from? We would love to get to know you more. Yeah, praise God. Uh, Mr. Thomas also had a question for you, Joe. He said, I have a question about vaccines. Uh, the news say that the U.S. bishops recommend not taking the J&J vaccine because it's made of fetus cells and so should be avoided. On the other hand, the Vatican said on Monday it is okay to have the J&J vaccine even if it comes from a fetus. Which one is it? Is, is J&J vaccine good or bad? Should we take it? Well, the USCCB today actually, actually was yesterday, have put out this statement that they um, they they don't want to see people using the J and J because of their of their explicit use of abortifetal uh, tissues in the development. Now, the, so the article that we read from during our "What's Concerning Us" seg- segment made distinctions, and so the issue here is about remote material cooperation, and that becomes questionable. There has been a lot of a uh, lot of talk of uh, of how remote. Some of the uh, the cell lines were, and there's been an effort to make it seem like it's very remote. But in fact, I've and we've interviewed experts on the subject, uh, scientists on the subject who have done pharmaceutical research. Dr. Teresa Deicher, I've interviewed her on a couple of occasions, and she actually has uh, therapies that are being reviewed by the FDA right now. Um, that will help with things like COVID and even cancers. She's an expert on the subject, and we've talked to her about this. We've talked to other experts about this, and it's not so remote as one as a lot of people within the church would like to believe. Now, that doesn't mean that the folks within the church that are commenting on this are trying to be manipulative. I don't think that's the case. I think it's a matter of that they just, you know, I think they're just uh, not as informed as they could be on the subject. So that's why we interviewed subject matter experts about it. But in the J&J issue, this, according to the, uh, the USCCB uh, article that we read from today, J&J specifically used abortifetal DNA in the production of their vaccine. Pfizer and Moderna used abortifetal DNA in the testing of their vaccine. 
That's why there's a distinction made between these two things, and this is why the USCCB spoke out against it. And the bottom line is, as Catholics, do we want to participate with uh, these pharmaceutical companies and their and their explicit use of aborted babies? Now, this has been one of the scandals that we've talked about repeatedly. Yeah, the undercover videos with David Delighton showed very clearly that they wanted these babies born alive. And they were doing C-sections on these mothers to have the babies in the utero, in the sack, in order to be able to harvest the tissue and the organs as freshly as possible. That is really, really disturbing. As Catholics, we should not want to participate in that. And here's the and my biggest point today in talking about this story at all is I don't. One of the things I don't understand is why, uh, if there's a better way, what, what if there was a better way that wasn't morally compromised, could actually help people uh, f- prevent them from getting sick or worse, dying from uh, COVID, um, why don't we promote that? Why don't we actually promote the, the therapy that could possibly help and is not at all morally tainted? That therapy is antibody infusions. You can go and ask for and receive antibody infusions from people who've had COVID, produced anti- antibodies, and uh, and you can have those infused. That will actually not kill you. And there, are, as far as I know, there are no downsides to it. I mean, maybe there are, and in which case, if I discover that, I will report that. But there, the downsides are are minimal at at best, or at least, and there's no actual connection back to abortion here. Whereas. All of these uh, pharmaceutical companies, Moderna, Pfizer, and J&J, have had some connection to, to abortion uh, fetal DNA cells used in, their, in either the testing or the development. J&J's just happens to be the worst of those three. That's very concerning. As Catholics, when we can promote something that has nothing to do with abortion, why aren't we promoting that? Where is the conversation around that? Where are the bishop's statements saying, hey, go and check out the, uh, go ask your doctor about, you know, antibody infusions. Rather than, than the vaccine, go ask about that. Why is that? Well, Pfizer put out an article earlier this week. I want to say I read the headline that said, oh, you're going to be having, you're going to have to take this vaccine every single year now, the COVID vaccine. Just like the flu vaccine is a thing you have to take every year. Trust me when I tell you, one of the, one of the first shocking things I learned when I, when I first started talking and interviewing subject matter experts on the subject of vaccines, and this was over a year ago now, um, was they said, follow the money. This is huge business. Follow the money. And if you can get a customer base that has to come back year after year after year, well, that's good money question is, uh, should, as Catholics, we be participating in, uh, in these pharmaceutical efforts when there's a, there's a, the, the taint of abortion is connected to it, remote or otherwise? I, I wouldn't. I mean, that's, that's not good. The other issue I've always had with these vaccines is it's new technology. According to the experts, Dr. Teresa Deicher and others, she would say, you know, this RNA technology is brand new. They're not sure how this is all going to go down. There's not enough testing. There's not enough knowledge base. They're going to find out the hard way. And we have seen the hard way that there is a segment of the world's population it may be small compared to the whole population, but there's still a segment of the population that probably should not be taking these vaccines because it could harm them or kill them. And we've seen people 
uh, we've seen the reports over and over and over again where that's happened. Adverse. Uh, there, there, just the other day, there was a report. Uh, there was a picture of a nun who's uh, who's half of her face was was paralyzed after taking the COVID vaccine. We saw pictures out of the UK uh, right after they, they started rolling it out there where these people were, half their face was paralyzed for some amount of time. So there's, there's minor effects, and then there's people who have, who have died as a result of taking it. That sliver of the human population may be tiny compared to the, the uh, population of the whole world, but do you know if you're in that, that sliver? Do you know if your loved ones are in that sliver? It, would it be okay for us to ask our doctors to figure out how could we determine whether or not this could harm us before taking it? Isn't that a fair question? I would think it would be. Um, how do we know that we, if we take this, we will not be harmed, right? So I think we should be able to have those conversations. The problem is, uh, in this modern current time, even talking about it makes you, you know, you have to put on the tinfoil hat. You become, you become a crazy person even for questioning it. And that's, I think, really crazy. Uh, what else? Praise be to God. Uh, uh, you know, the other, another story that really concerned me that I didn't get to bring up was this car, fatal car crash in California of, a, uh, of a, a, a large SUV that had 25 people in it. These were all illegal immigrants to, and then also the smuggler that some cut off a semi-truck on the road and a crash ensued. And 13 people died as a result to that. Did you guys see that story? No, I didn't. No, I didn't hear about that. That is so sad. They took out the seats so they can cram more people in the vehicle, uh, apparently. And uh, it happened just about just 125 miles outside of San Diego. Uh, 13 people died in the accident. It's very, very tragic. But, you know, this is one of the reasons why this kind of caught my eye was one, this is just the tragedy of, of the loss of these people's lives. Seeking a better life, and, and they, they only to end up dying in this car uh, because the smuggler wants to cram them in there. I mean, over and over again, how many times have we seen stories of uh, these smugglers leaving these people in like locked container cargo, uh, you know, things, uh, the backs of uh, semi trailers, things like that. And they, they're left to die when things don't go their way. Over and over again. You know, there was a documentary. I got to, I have to, I got to figure out the, the director and producer of this documentary film and try to invite her on. I was listening to an interview with her last week and she was talking about how much money it costs to be smuggled into the United States based on where you're from around the world. It is incredibly expensive. These people that died in this car spent thousands and thousands of dollars to be smuggled into the United States, only to die in the back of that car. And when it comes to the immigration issue as Catholics, I, I, I wish we would hear more, more preaching, more, uh, more insight on, on to – it's one thing to say people want to come to America to, to find a better life. I can get with that. What I can't get with is – Ignoring this crazy cult, this crazy business that uh, takes these people's money, uh, often uh, indentured, uh, puts people in indentured servitude. Uh, there's uh, rapes and there's abuse that happens. Uh, the the money that's taken, the threats against family back home. I mean, these these smugglers, they are abusing these people in a large way. Where is the preaching against that? 
Where's the preaching against the smugglers and their business, the cartels, the, the people who are, who are making a lot of money off of this business of, of getting people snuck into America, and these people are going to be left suffering like these 13 people who died today or yesterday? It's, uh, to me, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. What else? Adrian, you were going to say something. I cut you off. Oh, yes. I was going to bring up uh, on a, a more lighter note. Uh, we have a listener from Spain. So I thought that was awesome. I wanted to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the person from Spain, let me go back up. Pablo Garcia Beck. Blessings from Spain on, on YouTube. Uh, so awesome. We have a listener from Spain now. We have a hey listener now. from South Africa. One from Canada. What other countries are we, uh, are people listening at? Let us know. Does that mean, uh, we are officially international show? I think we should put officially that in our branding. Catholic Drive Time International Show. International. That's amazing. I think so. And Jeff also. Good morning from Jonah, Dominic, Sienna, Genevieve, and Jeff. Good morning hey to you all. Hello. Good morning. He's got the whole crew. Where are you from, uh, Jeff? Let us know. We'd love to know. Praise be to God. So I thought that was awesome. A little bit, uh, <laughs> more lighthearted. Spain. Uh, that's yeah, super that's cool. pretty awesome. We Spain need, is such a we need, beautiful country. Maybe we need a, uh, we need a, like a map someplace where we have pins. <gasps> that would be fun. Uh, a globe. Maybe we should get a, uh, like a little round globe and stick pins in it. I've seen those things that were like, um, there are these maps that are flat and you get it and you scratch it off countries that you've been to. Yeah. We should get one of those and scratch off countries that we, uh, have listeners in. <laughs> yeah. Mar put it up on the wall and maybe put a camera on it or could something. Put it like right behind me, like right here. Yeah, that's a good idea. We, we should, should try that. that with the U.S. too. Yeah, praise be to yeah, God. That's a good idea. All these great ideas. I'm glad I had them. <laughs> Amen. Uh, what else? What else is going on there? If you're if you're hanging out with us and you've never commented before, be a first time commenter. We would love love to know. <clears throat> Mister Mr. Thomas just responded. He's from Nicaragua. Praise be to God. Oh wow, a big time communist country. I yeah. used to listen to the Voice of America during the Reagan era. Oh, wow. 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 Uh, the earlier, uh, we were talking, uh, Chris on, uh, Facebook on the GRN online Facebook page. He was commenting about the apparitions of Our Lady, mm. uh, in regards to the, um, the immorality of priests and bishops. Uh, do you remember which apparition that was? I was thinking of La Salette mm -hmm. and where she said that there is going to be a, um, that many will abandon the faith yeah. and that there will be Rome will lose the faith. Well, uh, so so there's been several several mystics and, and apparitions that I think are related to that. I mean, uh, Garabandal is not an official apparition of the church, but it also had uh, similar messages. Of course, well, we know the apparitions of Sister Sasagawa in Japan also have that uh, message in involved, and that is an official uh, apparition of the church. But how about Blessed Elizabeth Kenora Mora? Um, her, she was an incredible mystic. If you've never looked into the life of Blessed Elizabeth Kenora Moore, boy, you are missing out. She's just amazing. She, uh, she had a very abusive husband, and she offered up her, uh, you know, the humility of, of this man cheating on her publicly, and, you know, just it was crazy. She had to sell her, you know, her wedding dress or jewelry in order to feed their children, and, but she received these incredible, um, mystical apparitions of our Lord and our Lady, and then there were many occasions where, uh, it, the messages themselves were tied directly to the scandals in the church. And she had these visions of the end times. She had visions of cardinals uh, trying to destroy the church from within. I mean, it's stark, and it's, it's like, it's weighty. It's, it's heavy stuff. Cardinals would come knocking on her door asking for advice. So would heads of state. 
And when her abusive husband would stumble in from the nightclubs the night before, she would kick them out. They weren't nightclubs. I mean, this was mid-19th century in Rome, but <clears throat> you know what I mean. So incredible uh, visions and stories there. So uh, that one, I would say, if you're really looking for insight from the apparitions and mystics, I would check that out. La Salette is a very good one as well. And uh, I was also thinking of Our Lady of Akita, where they yeah. said uh, there will be bishops against bishops. Well, that's Sister Sasagawa. Sister Sasagawa, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the one I mentioned. But And, uh, uh, and then, yes. Yeah, so, and then Our Lady of La wonderful apparition, uh, talks about the uh, times when there will be an abandonment of the faith. A number of priests religious will disassociate themselves from the true religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, many religious institutions will lose the faith entirely. And will cause the loss of many souls. The church will pass through a frightful crisis, as Our Lady La Salette. Uh, but I think it's important to remember, just like um, our Lord, because the church is the body of Christ, no? And so we have the, the church as the body of Christ. Our Lord went through the passion. He went through the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweated blood, uh, where the angel had to come and minister to him. Uh, he was abandoned by all his apostles, save one. And uh, Our Lady was there at the foot of the cross. So... So, too, the church, as the body of Christ, goes through these cycles of uh, imitation of the life of Christ. And so, right now, it feels as though we are in the passion. We are currently experiencing the passion of our Lord. And whenever the passion happens, um, we know that, that there will be a resurrection. Amen. There will eventually be a resurrection. And when that happens, uh, things will uh, look up. We will have the reign of Our Lady so I think this is uh, these are always it's always good to look at the light at the end of the tunnel, and that's why our Lord gave us His life to look upon mm-hmm. as an imitation, as for us to to look at and have hope for the coming of something greater. Amen. Nicola over on Facebook, she just commented on our video uh, on a post that I shared on my personal timeline. She says, uh, "Justin Kima." But I appreciate you guys. In other words, she's not from Spain. She's just from <laughs> oh. Kima, which is south we of We love Houston. you just the same. <laughs> now, uh, Kima is a beautiful place, though. Uh, you know, that uh, boardwalk's pretty amazing down there. So, praise be to God. Nicola, thank you for being a part of our program today. Uh, Let's see. What else? What else is out there? Who else is commenting? We'd like Susan to, uh, on Catholic Drive Time Facebook page said that the UK is going to give vaccines to pregnant women as an experiment to follow these children uh, in their reaction to the vaccine. Very frightening. Very frightening. Oh, I had yeah. not heard this story, so uh, that's something we're going to have to look at because i that's the first time I'm hearing of this. Did you all hear about this? Yeah, I didn't hear about the experimentations, but we did. We have been reporting on the, the, the issues. In fact, it was yesterday, I think I read a part of an article, or at least I mentioned in passing, it was on the Epic Times, about the dozens of cases that have been re- reported of mis- uh, miscarriages post-vaccinations. So uh, there were tons of uh, uh, issues all over the country. They were reporting back to uh, this special, the special group that receives the complaints related to vaccines. Unfortunately, in this country, in America, uh, it's, you're not allowed to just complain about vaccines. You're not allowed to even sue vaccine companies directly. There's a special court set up just to handle uh, vaccination-related injuries. And uh, they pay out millions of dollars every year to vaccination-related injuries through this special court. So they set up this special uh, sort of like a hotline or a group to receive all the complaints related to COVID vaccines. Well, they've received dozens and dozens and dozens of cases of miscarriage-related incidents 
Now that doesn't prove. It just means that people are saying, "Hey, I just had this vaccine, and I've had these mis- I had this miscarriage, and there's there've been some issues there." So there's a, a ton of them being reported right now. So it is very scary to see that the UK would be experimenting this way. That's insane. It does remind me also of uh, Ichioko Obianju. Now she is based out of the UK. She runs a pro-life organization in Africa, and I've interviewed her. Uh, I interviewed her like 2019, I think it was. And she, she was telling us about a program that the World Health Organization was backing in the Sudan to vaccinate uh, women that were of childbirth age, and it was sterilizing them. And they had to fight against this program and to prevent these women from being vaccinated and then sterilized and not be able to have kids. So um, Ichioko Obianju is the one, and you can, you can Google her. She's got videos on it. She's done a whole documentary on it. We're trying to get her back on the program to talk about it again. It's kind of crazy. All right. <clears throat> Praise be to Let's God. Let's see. Chris on Facebook. Uh, on our GRN Online Facebook side, he said, I'm often disturbed at the Machiavellian attitude medical doctors take when it comes to women and children. Yeah, that's, I guess I just have not been paying attention before. Um, I had never noticed some of these things that are happening right now. It's, it's, it seems new to me, to be honest. Uh, on YouTube, we have a new listener, or at least a new commenter, I think. Let us know. SLDTVA, I'm not sure how to say that. It said, hey. Uh, so, hi. Hey. Pretty <laughs> hi. Hello uh, to you. Hey now. hey, now. And Mr. Thomas says, I wonder if the pandemic is one of the horsemen of the Bible. Uh, well, definitely there are. There's... Uh, there's definitely going to be plagues like uh, yeah. at the end times, though I don't believe personally, I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I personally don't think we're in the end times. I think there's a long way to go before the end times are among us. I think first we're going to have um, the great chastisement where things are going to get really, really bad, like much, much worse. And there are going to be people like falling over in the streets dead. Uh, then we're going to have the three days of darkness. Um, and then after that, then there will be the ushering in of the reign of Mary. Uh, and then only after the reign of Mary, then the Antichrist will come, and then the second coming will happen after that. So do I think you, we're a long way away. Do you remember the away. videos of the people falling over in the streets in China back in uh, early 2020? Like, it was insane to see those videos. It was like, what are we watching? It's just utterly incredible. Um, but to your point, as we're getting ready to wrap up our, our, our time today, the one thing I would say about the end times is if we don't live in a state of grace right now, if we don't, if we're not prepared to see Jesus face to face and go through our judgment, our personal judgment now, boy, it won't matter when the end times come because we may not make today. The 13 people who died in that car accident in uh, floor in California that were trying to find a better life in America, they face their judgment today. So I think as Catholics, if we lived in a state of grace today and tried to help our neighbors obtain that as well for the sake of their salvation. It, it, it won't matter what the headline news is or what, what goes on around us or, or whether or not, you know, these, uh, these plagues and these uh, natural disasters and wars and rumors of wars happen because we're simply focused, we're hyperbolically focused on the salvation of souls in all circumstances and in all times. Because that's our mission, right? And ultimately, God allows things. How could a good God allow bad things to happen? God is not the author of evil. He is not the author of sin. But he does allow these things to happen to test us, to try us, to refine, to refine us in the fire of his love that we may enjoy heaven for all eternity. And so let us be reminded as we say goodbye today 
to uh, to shore ourselves up in the holy season of Lent, to go to confession, to live in a state of grace, and to share the good, the true, and the beautiful with our neighbors, our friends, our family members, and to make prudential decisions, as Jesus would say, be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. And uh, and ultimately, what whenever the end times do come, trust me, the building up from here to that point is not going to be a fun ride. It just gets more and more secular and more and more pagan, which is why I always say as a Catholic, uh, we, I, I don't trust myself to a secular world. I don't trust my, fi- my family, my kids to secular mentality. Uh, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and we want to live like that. Praise be to God. Valerie says she's on the, I'm on the phone. <laughs> well, ba- Valerie, I think we're getting ready to sign off here, but let's just see. Good morning, Valerie. You got about a minute. Oh, okay. I was calling because I look. I'm sorry. I wanted to mention something where you were talking about the people who get brought over from yes. Mexico. Yes. I read. I it's actually a podcast. It's called American Coyote, and that is a true story about a guy in California, a big man. And he would go bring him over for almost no money because he felt it was his duty to help them get to this country they want to, and they don't have to go through. He ended up in prison, too. Mm. But, yeah, it's called American Coyote. I'm sure. Sh- you know, I need to, there's a couple of guests on the subject that I need, I wanted to book and haven't done it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind myself to try to get them on the show to deep dive into, or at least get better understanding of, of the process because the vast majority of people who go through these coyotes are going through very nefarious cre- uh, people that do not have their best interest at heart and take their thousands and thousands exactly. of dollars and then leave them dead in the deserts when it becomes convenient for them to do so. Uh, so it's a very exactly. sad, very sad thing to to see so many people strive for a better life and only to be taken complete advantage of. But uh, I wasn't aware of this one. But I'm gonna, like I said, I'll look for some. I'll look for some guests on this subject. There's a there's a guy out of uh, uh, Tijuana, I believe, who uh, who is a subject matter expert on this. I'm gonna try to get him on. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But God love you, Valerie. Yeah, Thank you for calling God. in today. Thank you. Thank All right. You. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great day. All right, praise be to God. I think it's going to pretty much do it for our show today. Um, well, we're glad for the new listener. I'm just reading this comment from SLDTVA. I don't know how to say that. You're going to have to give us a clue how to say it because you're a first-time commenter, but we're very glad you're here. Praise be to God. Tomorrow, we're going to have a great conversation with a new guest, uh, somebody we've never had on before, and I think we're going to talk about same-sex attraction from a Catholic perspective as well as other issues. So we'll be having that conversation.